Welcome to the final part of the Way of the Spirit and Network Norwich's podcast talking about Jesus' baptism according to Mark's Gospel. This talk is delivered to you by Richard George of the Way of the Spirit and for more information visit www.thewayofthespirit.com Well, welcome to the sixth and final session on the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Uh, we've been looking at the baptism uh, and the sending out into the desert and the being tempted by Satan. And then uh, we now sort of finalize the scene by seeing what happens as Jesus now comes out in the power of the Spirit. Uh, this is still chapter one of Mark. It's packed full of theology, isn't it? Packed full of uh, allusions to the Old Testament, a richness of Bible um, uh, concepts and, and, and ideas. And Mark, of course, is drawing upon all these in order to describe the ministry of Jesus, which his gospel is going to be all about. This chapter is merely an introduction to the ministry of Jesus as he goes around Galilee for the next three years as a result of what's happened here at the Jordan. And so, uh, actually, once we get started on the Mark's gospel, uh, the people who Jesus mingles with and ministers to haven't read the, the, the chapter one. So they don't know quite who he is. And it's interesting because no, everyone's asking questions. Who, are, who is this person? Is it the Messiah? Who is he? And no one seems to know except the demons. And when he starts casting out demons, the demons seem to get straight away who he is and understand. But Jesus says, no, uh, I'm not going to tell you who I am. I'm just, you know, he deliberately seems to avoid telling anybody who he is or what he's there for. But we're still on the beginning of his of his ministry and he's now coming out of the desert and in verse 14 after John was put in prison Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God the gospel the gospel is good news the gospel is good news and and that's what needs to be proclaimed from our pulpits week by week in church life we need to proclaim the good news we need to hear Christians need encouraging about the good news of Jesus Christ. The fullness of the gospel, the reality of the gospel, the word of God, the, the spirit of God, the equipping of God, all the things that he has for us today. And uh, there are enough preachers around probably who you know, pull people down from the pulpit. We need to be lifting people up, don't we? I think Christians need to be lifted up. Congregations need lifting. Christians need encouraging. They need to see what the hope that's, that's in front of them. Not, not the bad news. It's, a, it's good news. Proclaiming the good news of God. So come on, you preachers and teachers. Let's proclaim the good news to the people of God. From the word of God. The time has come, he said. The time has come. That sounds a bit of something out of John's gospel. The time has come. And there's a great sense of, I mentioned earlier, that... In Galatians, Paul tells us, when the time was fully right, Jesus sent his son. When the time was fully right. So now the time is right. This place in history where Jesus is going to come proclaiming the kingdom of God. Something new, something's happened, something's changed through all the preparation, through all the ministry of John the Baptist, through the equipping of Jesus. And he now comes, he doesn't come out preaching himself he doesn't come out saying, look at me, everybody, I'm the Son of God. Whoa, I've got the answer for everybody. He doesn't do that. He comes out and he's, he's preaching the kingdom. He's carrying the kingdom. He's preaching the kingdom. He's demonstrating the kingdom. He's not saying, come and join my church, but he's preaching the kingdom of God. He is the king, of course, of the kingdom. 
So the time has come, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, the time has fully come, but it really means, when you look at the original language, it really means the kingdom of God is so close, it's about to break in. It's right near to us and it's about to break in. So Jesus is going around with this sort of this idea of the kingdom of God, that he's come to bring it, and he's carrying it, and watch out everybody, because here is the kingdom. And as Jesus begins preaching and teaching, he's talking and he's teaching about the kingdom of God. Everything he says in parables, we're told, is to do with the kingdom. And, you know, there's a sense in which the kingdom of God is always about to break in. There's a sense in which... In every area of our life where we've got a dilemma or a challenge or a problem, God has got the answer. Always. Uh, And the answer is the kingdom. The answer is in God. The answer is in what he's done in us already. The answer is in the new life that we carry as Christians. The answer is somehow about to break in. If we just get hold of it, there is the answer there. But how do we get it? Repent and believe. Uh, repent, of course, isn't saying sorry. Repent is walking one way, turning round, and walking the other way. But in these two words, repent and believe, Jesus is summarizing how we make progress in the Christian life, always. We make progress by turning around from the way we were walking and walking the other way. All right, Repenting is not saying sorry. It's actually turning around and choosing to walk the other way. That's repentance. And so the kingdom of God is at hand for you right now in every area of your life. How do you get it? Repent and believe. See the way God says. See his answer. See his solution. Hear his word. Repent of walking any other way. Lay hold of what he's saying and turn around and walk towards that. Now when we repent... It's usually an event. We repent in a moment. Well, yeah, we get it and then we repent. We turn around and we start walking in the direction. We then are going to have to learn how to believe. And very, very often we can, in, in Christian ministry, we find people who have the event of repenting, or they think they have. They've turned around, they've done something in response to God's word, but they, but they then have to walk it out in faith. You have to walk it out believing the words that God has said to you, whatever the situation is, whatever the thing is you're breaking free of or walking away from or whatever. And so we can get the revelation that God has set us, Jesus has set us free from fear, but the next day we have to walk free of it by faith. Do you get what I'm saying? The next day, you haven't got the mountaintop experience. The next day, it's the cold light of day again. It's nine o'clock in the morning. God might say, I want to do... I want your life, I want you, I want you, I want you to serve me, and I want you to go and get equipped to serve me. And in the meeting, you think, well, yeah, that's great, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, uh, Lord, I'm going to step out. But the next morning, nine o'clock in the morning, you've got to walk it out. You've got you've to make the cool, calculated decisions to change your life and take the step and that step, and you haven't got the feelings you had the day before, the night before. In other words, there's a walk of faith involved in, in our kingdom living. In order to walk in the fullness of the kingdom with the, and all the solutions that the kingdom brings, we have to walk in, we, we walk in a constant preparedness to repent and change our life, 
to change because of what God speaks to us, to be continually open to change and to grow and to turn around and then to apply our faith as we walk forwards in what he said. It's not about a whole series of events. It's about the events followed by the walk. We, we are people, the New Testament says that without faith it's impossible to please God. And that everything that's not of faith is sin. So we can have the event, anyone can say, God, here I am in the event. But the next day you've got to walk in it and hold on to what God has said and choose to believe it. Because our faith is not about our cerebral understanding, it's about where we put our foot the next day. It's about how we outwork what we choose to believe. So things of the kingdom. The kingdom has always got the solution for everything. The king of the kingdom is here now. The kingdom of God is about to break into your life in some way, if you want to let it. The kingdom of God is here. But to, to, to avail yourself of it, you're going to have to hear what God says. You have to turn around and you have to choose to believe him. Tomorrow morning, nine o'clock. And, and so uh, this is why, the, the, you know, to be a disciple, he's about to call the disciples. To be a disciple is to follow Jesus. It's not just to have events or experiences. It's to follow him. Wherever he goes, we follow him. Whatever it feels like, we follow him because we're people of faith. We choose to believe what he says is true. We choose to lay hold of the kingdom solution. We choose to believe the word of God and apply it to our life in the power of the Spirit, equipped by him and living it out in the cold light of day the next morning, just as much as we do here. Well, uh, we're really concluding these six sessions, really just with the coming out of Jesus in the power of the Spirit now, and he's proclaiming the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And he's going to go forth, he's going to call his disciples, he's going to begin preaching. In Luke, he will go to the synagogue and he will quote from Isaiah, and he will say, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. I've come to open the blind eyes and to you know, help the lame walk and all the rest of it. And he's declaring his manifesto for kingdom ministry. Jesus himself isn't pointing to himself. Jesus is pointing to God, isn't he? He's pointing away from himself uh, to the Father and the kingdom. And uh, he's living for the king. He's living for the kingdom. Just, he asks us to live for him as disciples. He has done it first as a man and he's lived for his father. He's laid down his life and he's lived every moment of his day for his father and for his father's glory. He's walked in obedience he hasn't just got into a lot of religious activity. He's walked in obedience to the way the Spirit in him has led him. He's followed his Father's will in his life. And because of what he did, millions of people since have been able to be saved and, and, and know the kingdom and know the king. But you know, he asks of us, there's no less than he did himself. He asks us now to follow him. He didn't come to bring a new religion. He came to bring the kingdom of God. And if you want to live in the good of the kingdom of God, we follow the king. We become disciples of Jesus. And so we choose to step out and follow him. And this is, whatever else happens in our Christian life, whatever titles any men might give you, we, 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 become, we become and we remain disciples. We are always disciples. They may call you an apostle one day, but you're still a disciple of Jesus. You're still following Jesus. 
No one ever gets promoted beyond following Jesus. But everybody's called to follow Jesus. And so Jesus has led the way. It's so reassuring, isn't it, that he's led the way. He's been a man. He's been baptized in the Spirit. He's had his mountaintop experience. He's been led in the desert. He's been tempted by Satan. And he's come out. And if we have more time, he's now going to experience all the ups and downs of kingdom life and kingdom ministry. And one day he's going to turn away from his successful revival ministry. He's going to walk down to the cross and he's going to die on the cross in accordance with his father's will for him. And it will all be done in the power of the Holy Spirit in him. As he chooses to not try and live out of his own strength and resources, but chooses to avail himself of the power of the Holy Spirit that God has put in him. And so he does in many ways become that sort of role model for us and, and our ministries. And whether we, we end up you know, with a, in, in what we call ministry, as I think I said on an earlier week, we're always called to walk uh, as a disciple. We're always called to be in ministry. We're always ministering. Uh, we're always giving, being a witness for Christ. We're always pointing people to him. And it's so essential that we do it out of the power God's put in us, that which he baptizes us in, uh, and not out of our own strength and own resources. And our church life and our, you know, our life as Christians uh, is about really learning to avail ourselves of that power in us. Because anything else is, is religion. Anything else is us trying to make something happen, which is the story of the Old Testament. That's what happened in the Old Testament, and it failed. That's why Jesus had to come. So anything where we're trying to make something happen, where we're trying to uh, do something for God, is doomed to failure. There's a new way. It's called the new way of the Spirit. It's the kingdom of God. It's to do things God's kingdom way, which is availing ourselves of what he's now died in order that we might be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus died, that we might be filled with the Holy Spirit, and out of that equipping, out of that that's now living in us, because we've been made holy by Jesus dying on the cross, that now is our resource for us to draw upon as we choose day by day to walk in repentance and faith and follow him in his kingdom things, availing ourselves of all the benefits of the kingdom and seeing the benefits around us in other people's lives as we serve him. Well, I don't think that was very eloquently put, but I hope you got that, the, the, uh, the kernel of it. And at the uh, Jesus' baptism, we see his equipping for kingdom life. Amen. Thank you for listening to this series on the Where the Spirit's podcast, talking about Jesus' baptism according to Mark's Gospel. Please feel free to copy and distribute this audio, but please do not charge or make any changes to it. For more information, visit www.thewayofthespirit.com.